Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Don't Miss This Podcast, a Come Follow Me study with Emily Bell Freeman and David Butler. We fill this show up with all the things we think you don't want to miss in the scriptures every week. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoy the show. Hi, everyone. I am David Butler. I'm Emily Freeman. Welcome to Don't Miss This. (laughs) (laughs) Emily wouldn't let me put the camera down so that you can all see her scoot into the screen (laughs) because she is on a scooter and crutches and a boot and all sorts of stuff right now. Should we tell about that? Yes. You guys, we just went to Israel for three weeks. It was amazing. We love Israel. We could live there. And... On, we had two tours on the second tour, day one. Why couldn't it have been day six? Because I don't know. (laughs) On the road to Jericho, which is our favorite place to teach of all the places. And number one? Yeah. Number, oh, to teach in, sorry, in Jericho. Oh, in Jericho. This does get confusing because if you ever go with us on tour, we have favorite places in every city. I know that's a big shocker for everyone, but in Jericho, (laughs) don't you think that's number Uh, one? Yeah, easy. Yeah, easy. Anyways, David ran up the mountain to see if we could teach. Like a gazelle. From the top. An athletic gazelle. That's making me feel worse about myself. I know, that's I'm just prepping. (laughs) (laughs) I started up with the group because I was waiting for all the group. David was the um, scouter to make sure it was going to work. And then there's these cute little boys who are one of my favorite parts of the trip that want to sell you all the things, including these little bracelets. Where's yours? Oh, I'm wearing Anna's other one. Um, From there that wanted to come up and sell and I just love them to come up and sell. So I had invited all the boys to come up the mountain plus all the tour buses. And I was going back to the bus to get my scriptures. And there was so many people coming up at once and the little ones darting all throughout that I thought, I'll just move to the side. One step. (laughs) That's it. That's all I was going to do. Just step over. And then I stepped and my right foot went up well, my right yeah, foot only went up. The entire rest of my body went down that way. And I heard a little crack. Then I walked all the way up the mountain and taught with David because I was not going to miss my favorite spot. Because <laughs> I'm really stubborn. I hope your doctor's not watching this. Yeah, me too. And then... Greg had to be the Good Samaritan on the way down yeah. the mountain. <laughs> it is funny that you kind of became broken at the road to Jericho. Yeah, we're never going to forget places. that. Of all the places. I know. I was the object lesson. You're welcome. You have to be the object lesson next time. I'm going to pick which story I want to be the object lesson for. Okay, I can't wait. Me, Let me us neither. know when yeah. you think when of I, it. When I come to it, I'm going to pick it. Now, so. we're so happy to be back and be teaching because lots of these stories that we're about to tell you, we just experienced there. Yeah, the places get to tell. Yeah, it's really so cool we're so to tell drawn the, to them. Yeah. I know, right? When I was driving over, I thought, oh, man, it's, this is fun. It's fun to teach this on this video, but, oh, it is really fun to teach it over there. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah, but it really Put is. it on your bucket list, everybody, because yeah. that will, it's such, it's so In cool five years. To... In five years. Wait for me, everyone. <laughs> no, everyone come. <laughs> I'm going without Emily. <laughs> I won't post any pictures. Don't worry. Yeah, the, while the you're whole gone. five years, no yeah. posting. <laughs> I might have cried several times on the tour, everyone, because 
I love Israel so much. Yeah. It's a lovable place. And it's lovable because of these stories, really. Like you just think when you when you look at the land and stuff like that, I mean it's good. I mean it's pretty places and yeah. you know, but it's not necessarily anything spectacularly yeah. pretty or unique or you know. Yeah, it's the stories. Right. It's just like wow, yeah. like you get to a spot and like if you go to Wadi Kel, the spot where the Good Samaritan happens and you just go to it, you're just like, Oh, okay. Another desert road. But it's like, oh, when you the story makes it come alive and, and any you of the spots, down, any and of the you places. you see the trail and all of a sudden you're like, I never imagined the trail like that. This past tour was so fun. Every time we go, David, I know this will not be a shocker, but David and I are always like, let's add one more thing. Let's just add one more thing. So on the last tour, the first one, we wanted to try the triumphal entry because who doesn't want to try the triumphal entry david's sad because there were no palm trees but i found one the second i forgot to tell you i was with you the second tour oh i found a palm and you carried branch. it yes oh <laughs> because everyone i didn't get to go on the second one because it's so many stairs down and up and so i sat on the bus and waited and David took double the amount of time because he was so thrilled with it. He taught every 10 minutes along the path. <laughs> well, it is one of my best stories. And I had FOMO so bad. It wasn't that fun. Oh, um, that's such a lie. terrible. <laughs> but anyways, the, it was really fun. And it made me think, did it make you think this? I want to have a triumphal entry every Palm Sunday for the rest of my life. Yeah. I don't even care where it is. I just want to find a temple somewhere. Drop me off two miles from the temple. And walk Give to me it. a palm branch. So rad, and let me actually. just walk to the temple and just think about all the hosannas in my life all the way there. Yeah. The very best Palm Sunday we've ever had as a church, by the way. I know. Since I already alive. know. You already know yes. that one? Yes. And I don't think anyone even knew it was happening on Palm Sunday because we're not super, we're getting better, right? Of uh, like realizing, recognizing when those days are coming and everything. But th that Palm Sunday where we actually got to do the Hosanna shout. Yes, in um, conference. In conference. Yes. I, it it's honestly could have been my best day of, yeah. of my whole life. Yeah, me too. Because that Easter. Did we know each other? Oh, I, it was like two years ago or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was such a good day. But I am a shouting person by nor by nature. I think that's yeah. why that Palm Sunday, which is where this week starts, is in that um, that triumphal entry, that day where Jesus comes in. And I just, I think I have that kind of spirit. I have a Palm Sunday spirit that yes. just says like... I love that so much. I want a Palm Sunday spirit. Yeah, where I, this is what I... Hosanna, like that kind of, uh, you know, shout. Like sometimes you're at a temple dedication and people do the Hosanna mumble. And I want to say, you guys, this is our chance. Yes. To like, and I think when you understand the story and you see its roots and where it comes from, it's just, it like, it brings out of And when you understand you. the word. Right. So that word Hosanna, it's in that, um, you saw that it was in Matthew 21 is where the story is and Mark 11 and Luke 19 and John 12. It's in all four of the spots. You'll see those listed in the journal if you want. But And we're doing Matthew 21. Because we love Matthew 21 yeah, so it's, much. It's, it's just this awesome, you know, this is Jesus's last week and he is riding into the city. And it just says, you know, the whole city is moved and he, and he comes in on the donkey. And we're going to talk more about that story in a later segment, but it just says the multitudes went before this is verse nine. First they, they spread out their clothes by the way. And, and I imagine every time I read this, I imagine, I, I don't think they have that many clothes. 
You know, and so the fact that they like are going to put them down on the road says something. Yeah, and let them get dirty. Right. Because they're going to have to put it back on. Yes, yeah. So there's something about it that's just like, oh, they've laid those down. They cut down the palm branches and they they cry out. It says, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And that word Hosanna, if you, if you, um, look that word up. It means save us now. It's a plea. It's like a cry. It's a cry for help. And it's what we like to call a, it's a one word prayer is what it is. Right. And it's a, it's something that was reserved on the days of Jubilee and celebration at the temple is what that cry was normally reserved for. Yeah. And it could go both ways, right? It was a save us now, but it also was a recognition of blessing and great joy. Yeah. Which don't you love that that word could go three different ways, that it either can be your deepest, most heartfelt pleading, or it could be your greatest joy. Yeah. And they use the same word for both. It's cool. Well, I I think it kind of like gives, uh, I don't know if permission is the right word for us to feel both of those emotions and call them both holy. Yes. Because sometimes we're like, oh, only my joy and my praise is holy. But it's like, no, your pleading and your lack can also be a holy yeah, experience that's too. That's so good. And, I, and there's something about this part of the story where when that word Hosanna is an invitation word. That's how I read it when I see it, where they're calling him into the city. They're making the way open. They're saying... We need you in this city. We need you in our life. We need you in our relationships. We need you in our decisions. We need you in our sorrow. We need you in our praise. It is a way to call Jesus into mm. the city. When I was reading it again this morning, it just reminded me of that, that on the boat when the storm is there and they wake up Jesus and what good advice that is. You know, it's like in, in your times of trouble, wake up Jesus. In your times of praise, wake him up, like bring, bring him yeah. in, into it. And, 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 and it's interesting that he comes in on that donkey, you know, because if the King of Kings is gonna ride into your story as a rescuer, you're just like, put him on the white horse and put, you know, have the Sword banners and, or the, an elephant, do Prince Ali, you yeah. know, like have the whole parade, the whole triumphant, but he comes in on this really simple donkey and so unexpected. And, and I think there's a really powerful lesson in that. And that when we call him into our story, he might come on a donkey, but he still comes like he might come unexpectedly. But he hears that cry every single time and he comes and he comes in. And this day is just, I, I actually think every time we do it, it's a dress rehearsal for yes, the second coming. I do too. Where I'm just like, eventually one day we really will, he really will come back to the world. He does come into our stories now, but he'll come in and in full measure, yeah. in full glory. And it's so interesting in this story because there's so many like back and forth lessons going on because... For us, it's like so unnatural for him to come in on a donkey. I've read in some places that that is how kings were brought into cities in those days. And um, and so maybe that was also a kingly entrance and the palms surely were and the clothes being spread out. Like you can tell they were like balancing this unexpected, what we see with also like what their hopes were. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, trying to create this thing and and hoping for deliverance that in their mind was going to be from Rome and in his mind was going to be from Satan. Like his 
his goal was so much larger than their mm -hmm. goal was mm -hmm. coming in. And I love just watching all of that happen and the hosannas and all of this stuff that people are like, someone big is coming. Yeah. Someone big is about to come in to town. Do you hear? Look at all those people gathering. You know what's happening right now. And when we did this on our walk two weeks ago, we came all the way down off the Mount of Olives. And then you come into this little valley and we just paused there for a minute before we were going to make that ascent up to where the temple is up into the city. There's going to be this ascent and it's a, a bit of a climb going back up. And as we stood right there in the valley, we read this scripture that I love so much. It's in Matthew 21 and uh, nine is where we were. The multitudes that went before and that followed cried saying, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Um, all of this is going on. And it tells us in verse 10, when he was come into Jerusalem, all the city was moved saying, who is this? And I just love that thought of like the whole city was moved. Like there was so much excitement and anticipation and hosannas that the entire city is now affected. And then they want to ask, who is this? And we at the end of our group number one just stopped for a minute and started thinking about, remember who we met in um, the, on the road to Jericho? Remember who we met in Galilee? Remember who we met all of these days in Jerusalem, like bringing back all these memories. And I love the idea of that even now, because as a church, we are just about to finish the four gospels. We are leading into what will be the bringing of all of these lessons that we've learned together. Mm. And don't you just want to pause with your family this week before we enter into these last days and just write up somewhere on a poster who is this and then start looking back through all of your books of scripture and if you've been keeping a journal start looking back through your whole journal just look back everywhere maybe you've been writing down his names everywhere and you're going to look back because uh, how many weeks are we today with jesus um uh, how many names that we've learned how many stories we've told don't you just want to make a little list that is like who is this what do I know about the man who healed the leper, about the man who met that woman at her well, about the man who invited Peter to do something that no one in the world has ever done since? You know, that you just want to go through and be like, who is this? And I love that um, in verse 11, the multitude says to the people who don't know, this is Jesus. And we love to think who might have been in that crowd on that last day, waving the palms and welcoming in because don't you wonder if Jairus's daughter was there and she's like, oh, this is Jesus. This is the man who raised me from the dead that I've been telling you about. And the man from the pool of Shiloh that says, oh, this is Jesus. This is the man who healed my sight. And the man from the pool at Bethesda, oh, this is Jesus. This is the man who helped me walk again. What about the four friends? What about the woman who sat at the well? What about the woman who reached out and touched his robe? I just love all of these witnesses in the crowd that are like, oh, 
This is Jesus. This is who I've been telling you about. This is him. It's so interesting because in a week from now, that same crowd will be yelling, crucify him. But I just love the day when everyone is like, who is this? And then you just have within that crowd, all of those people saying, oh, this is Jesus. And if you were to ask all of your kids or the people who you study with or the, um, your Sunday school class or your young men, young women's group, tell me one thing that you know about Jesus. I just love that opportunity right now in this part of the lesson, don't you? Yeah, and it's cool that you just, you almost like it's a, I see a math equation in my mind where it's just like the one who heals the one who lifts, the one who meets people, the one who forgives. It's like, this is Jesus. And you talk about that crowd that's going to yell, crucify him. And I and I would say, I think that's the people who never had an experience yeah, for, with him. Yeah, me too, for right? sure. Where you just say, oh, that's because you had the wrong idea of who he was, mm. right? Where you're just like, and sometimes people do. They have the wrong idea of, oh, he's a... Oh, who, he's someone who shames. He's someone who excludes. He's someone who's just like, no, 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 no. Let me let me show you who Jesus actually is. You by know? someone's story right, by who has stories. experienced him. Right. And sometimes you're going to find those in here, right? Mm-hmm. You're going to be like, oh, this. what's my favorite story in the New Testament? And let everybody go around. But you're mistaken if you don't think he's still working with people today. And there will be people sitting in your classrooms within your family that will have a story just as touching as the leper and the woman sitting at the well and the daughter in her room because he's still working among us today, right now. And I think there's so much value in telling those stories. Yeah. So much value. Like I was like, I can't think of a better reason why we gather together every Sunday except to tell those stories. So if we're not finding the opportunities to do that, then why are we gathering yeah. together? And I just love that thought of someone telling a story of where he's been a healer and then that story ending and the next phrase being, this is Jesus. Yes. You know, yeah. this is who he is. Yeah, that's so good. And I love as you're thinking about that because it makes me want to think for the people who haven't had that experience of healing or new perspective or change or you know being able to come back into a life that you thought you would never have again Um, sometimes people who don't know his character or his attributes or how he responds um, it's important to go back into scripture and say let me show you in scripture if you haven't experienced him yet let me show you in scripture some of these characters or attributes you might want to know um, where the name this week is Jesus, um, which I love because it's such a simple name. Mm-hmm. It just is. Don't you love when the crowd is moved and they're like, who is this? And then they're like, oh, they don't say this is the Messiah. This is the savior of the world. This is the whatever bread of life or whatever. They're just like, oh, this is Jesus, and it, it feels like his most, like, you know when you call someone by their name that is familiar, mm. you know? Like, my name is this, but people, my close friends call me, that's what I feel like Jesus is. My close friends call me Jesus, and Jesus means one who helps or saves, but also Jehovah is salvation, which would be a fancier way of 
saying that and save that word save or salvation uh, the greek translation is sozo which actually means heal so we could say he's the one who saves but we can also say he's the one who heals and who doesn't need that healing in their life and I think as we talk about like the people in the crowd who didn't know, the people in a week from now who will be yelling, crucify him, that you wish you could just sit down with them and say, hey, maybe you haven't met this Jesus. Mm. And who is this Jesus? Let me show you. And this parable um, that we're going to read is one of our favorites for the purpose that it just shows us the heart of God. And it's a God who keeps trying. And we love the thought of that. I forgot. We don't have a picture for that one. Um, this is going to be in Matthew 21, 33 through 46. And it's going to be a parable. And it's one you might be familiar with. There was a certain householder and he planted a vineyard and he hedged it in roundabout. So he made it safe all the way around and digged a wine press and he built a tower. And once he had everything ready for progress and increase and production and and everything was like he had set everything up for greatest success he left and he left it with a husbandsman and when the time of the fruit drew near he sent his servants so that they could come and and receive that increase and you know the everything that they had done and the husbandman took the servant and beat one and killed another and stoned another. And in verse 36, it says, again, he sent other servants more than the first. And they did the same thing to them. They beat them and they killed them and they stoned them. So last of all, he sent his son and they said, surely they will reverence my son. But when he came, they said, this is the heir. Come, let us kill him and then we will seize on his inheritance. And they caught him and cast him out of the vineyard and slew him. And then when the Lord came, what will he do? The question asked to the husbandsman. And we studied so many different things about this parable. We talk about, it could be different dispensations. It could be uh, different prophets who came until finally when Jesus came and all of those people who were supposed to be protecting the vineyard actually killed the son and all of those would be true but one of our favorite parts of this parable is a lesson that sometimes is overlooked and it's the fact that the man kept sending people even after the first servants were killed he didn't say well i guess i'll give up right. on that right. property um, he sent in more servants this time and when they were killed then he was like, instead of like shrinking back and being like, I'm not going to send in anyone important to me into that group of people. He sent his son in yeah. to the people. And it reminds us of a God who keeps trying a God of second chances and third chances. Like I'm just, I'll keep going back. I'm going to give them every chance I can. And sometimes when I see people who have been hurt by religion, I, I just want to say to them, oh, do you know about the God who keeps trying? Yeah. Like who, who keeps coming into your story and that his number one purpose we learn from his name this week is to heal. That's why he's coming in. And, yeah. And 
I think it's, a, it's great to like maybe analyze it and see what he was trying to teach. But it would just be unfortunate if the parable was left at a timeline. Or even more unfortunate if the focus of the parable was people who rejected the servants. You're like, okay, yeah, yeah, they did in the story, but you're missing the power of the story if you don't learn about yeah. the heart of God from the story. You know, does that make sense? Yeah. Where it's like, oh, yeah. the point of the story is don't reject the prophets, you know? And it's like, I don't think that's the point of the story. The point of the story is that God sets up the vineyard and plants this and hedges that before you ever got here, before you ever came on the scene, he set everything up for success. So he's like liberally giving. And then you just keep seeing that throughout the entire thing. Yeah. You know, yeah. and I like that you said like, oh, and then he's not just sending people that aren't important to, he's just like, I'll actually send my best, my best, my very, very best is what yeah. I'll do. So as you study this one, that would just be our advice is like, okay, touch on the things that you can learn timeline wise or whatever, but ooh, don't, don't, don't forget, forget that what you're learning about his heart and character in this. And I don't know why we did that story a little bit out of order, but we did and it's fine. Um, but go back a little bit to this. Right when he walks into the city, one of the first things, at least in Matthew's account that he does, is he cleanses the temple. It says he goes into the temple of God and he casts out all them that sold and brought in the temple and overthrew the tables and the seats of them that sold doves. I was teaching this in seminary once and I had this picture up on the screen. If you can't see this, you're listening on the podcast. It's Carl Block's famous painting of um, Jesus cleansing the temple. And somebody, <laughs> we're like looking at this and everyone, like you look at the picture and you're sort of like, um, you're like this man on, on the right where he's looking at him. He's like, who are you? Like, I don't like you being here. And one of the kids in the class was like, one of these dudes is about to get their head whipped off by Jesus with the whip. And it sort of is portrayed in a way that you're just like, yikes. And one of the kids even said, he raised his hand. He was like, I don't like this story. And I was like, oh, that's okay. How come though? Just curious. And he was just like, well, that's just not a very Christ-like thing to do. And I was like, oh, okay, fair. But um, are, you, I, are you aware that it actually was Christ who did it? <laughs> so that by definition, you know, it actually makes it really Christ-like, you know, the thing that he actually does here. But what he was saying, I got, I was like, oh, I get what you're saying because it's not matching up with what I see in other verses. Like, this guy doesn't look like the guy who like tenderly touched the leper, you know? Yeah. And so you're just like, Oh, I actually liked that. He was like, I don't like that because he is looking at the, he's comparing the character and attributes of Jesus. And I'm like, Oh, good job. You're actually doing yeah. it correctly. But then when you come to stories like this, it's helpful then to say like, hold on, does this match up with the heart and character of Jesus that I see in all the other stories, you know, bring them yeah. all together and look, you know, look at it through that lens. And it might help you like, oh, see things a little bit differently. And if you read this story, something that happens in it um, is at the end, after he, you know, turns the tables over and, and you, you've probably studied this and you know this, that people were coming from all over the world. They were coming in on really, really long journeys and people were taking advantage of them financially because they couldn't bring a lamb from so far away or they didn't have one or something. And they were jacking up the prices and then the money changers would give them a, a really bad rate on their money exchange. And, 
And, and so you see who he's looking out for in the story that, you know, the, um, just the underdogs in there. And, and then you're sort of like, Hey, yeah. Um, PS, the whip's not for this guy. The whip's the only way to move an animal is to like, the you sound. know, yeah, the, it's sound, the sound, yeah, it's not, yeah. it's not to whip people. I think that should be really clear when you look at the story. But, um, he says this, my house is called a house of prayer, but you've made it a den of thieves. And I think that's interesting that, you know, first of all, he says, this is supposed to be a house, like with a living room and a kitchen table, and you've turned it into a den you know, and, and in a den lives lions and tigers and bears. Oh my. Right. <laughs> and he's just like, you've, you've made this place so that people are scared to come in and nervous when they walk through the door. Um, and, and instead of it being a place of connection, you've turned it into a place of, of taking and, and stealing and, you know, and, and, and then he says, that, that's my problem with it. And then there's a verse 14, which is sort of the key verse where you're like, why did he do what he did? And it says this. Yeah, that's the verse that if you want to find what feels like Christ, right? you want to underline 14. Yeah. And he says this, and the blind and the lame came to him in the temple and he healed them. And I think this is really powerful in, in two different ways. When, when I read it, at least in one way, it's what if you have these wrong ideas about who he is that someone's taught you or that you've assumed or learned maybe those ideas need to be flipped over maybe some of those thoughts he have about what his character and heart is like needs to be turned over and cleared out so a new definition of who he is can move in because if i'm afraid of him or if I think he's going to like flinch when he sees me or ostracize me or then, then I wouldn't ever come to him. And thus I would never be able to be healed. But so sometimes like our ideas about him have to be turned upside down because we've got the wrong ones about him. And I love too, when you talk about like, you look at this mess in this picture, you look how many people are here and the animals and the straw and everything that's going on. And I love the one time when you said to me, how would a blind person even make his way through that? Yeah. Or, or somebody who couldn't walk, how would they even get in? And it's so interesting that the distraction was actually keeping out the people who needed him most yeah. as the healer. Yeah. And they couldn't even get in unless he removed all that. And also in our own life too. Sometimes he has to turn things upside down in our own life before the healing can start. Sometimes he has to push people down a hill at Jericho <laughs> and break their leg <laughs> so that they can learn true. the lesson he wants to teach them. But I think <sighs> there is a call to Christian congregations in this story to say, don't accidentally in in your religion in do, practicing yep. your religion keep people out because I, I like as much as i want to like flip tables in my own i, I think jesus is calling to his these are people who were doing yeah. stuff in his name right. and it's yep. like sometimes what you're doing in my name like i actually think like mm, i kind of want to cringe before i say this that it was like it was the religious people that crucified him yeah and it's just like sometimes it's like He's like, if you're keeping out people from making connection 
with God. He's like, look at the way you're, are you blocking the way? Are you keeping people from coming in? Yeah. And sometimes we may need to change some things that we're doing culturally. Yeah. So he can. So so he can. So people, so people know who he is. Like if I'm like the image of him, God created all of us to be in his image. And if, if what I'm portraying is preventing people from coming to know him, it's like maybe some of those things need to be flipped upside down. Yeah. You know, which I love because we're going to go into what will become his greatest call and the mission of his life. And it's going to come out of a scripture that we find in Matthew 22, 36 through 39. And um, it starts because of a question that a lawyer asks him and he asks him in order to tempt him in order to find weakness in him in in order to like be like you can't there's no way around answering this and he said to him which is the great commandment in the law and i think we do this our own selves too you know like i think we're like which is the bigger sin it, it when you when i look around when i get in judgment mode and i'm like oh yeah but they're but there, but there. And I love that he's teaching us, oh, hold on, you're not even the judge. Like that's mm. not even, if that's what you're asking me as a lawyer is, um, which is the greatest commandment, or in other words, what he's asking, what's, what's the greatest sin? Like mm. who's not righteous among you? Um, I love when he says this, oh, easy. That's what I feel like he says. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like unto it. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On those two commandments hangs every law of all the prophets. Um, It's so interesting when you go to Jerusalem because, or to Israel, when you, when you listen to people talk about the Jewish culture and one of the things that moves life in the Holy Land is holy rhythm. And they are, they know the laws and they reverence the laws. And it, it's part of like the sacredness of society is living within that law. And one of the things I love about Jewish people is instead of being ashamed of their laws or what they do, uh, they invite you in. They're like, oh, this is how we do it. Do you want to be a part of how we do it? Which I love the generosity in that. You know, this Mm -hmm. is how we eat. It might not be how you normally eat, but this is how we've chosen to eat. We invite you in to eat like this with us while you're here. And um, the commandments are so important that one of the seven fruits of Israel is the pomegranate. And one of the reasons why it is that is because if you cut it open and count the seeds, um, it's believed that there are 613 seeds in every pomegranate, which is the number of laws Mm -hmm. in the Torah. Once I counted them. And don't tell us if there was or wasn't. (laughs) Keep it a secret. I love the thought of 613 seeds. Listen, they were close. It was close. So it's like, yeah, it was 609. Oh, yeah. I could have eaten four. Yeah. counting. So it's like, anyways, it really is like super close. So close. Yeah. Um, so I love that they're like all those 613, every one of them could make its way into one of those two commandments. And maybe we should, we should say it should make its way into one of those yeah. two, right? Yeah. Cause yes. you could keep it for keeping sake. Yeah. But Jesus, I think is showing like, wait, the intention of all 613 should be either 
to show your love for God or to show your love for people or both. Or both, because yeah. it's, it's interesting that the lawyer's like, all I want is one. And Jesus says, well, actually the most important one could be split into two. Yeah. Because the second, he says, is like unto it. Yeah. I know a lot it's of people. It's just as important. Right. A lot of people yeah. want to say like, oh, the order goes like this. And I think there's beauty and power in the order, right? Where if I understand and feel love for God, it mm-hmm. translates to people. But I do love that he says like the second is the same as if you were keeping the first. Yeah. Um, and we're going to talk first about what does it actually look like to love God? Like if we were going to pick a story from this week's lesson that would help you know what does it look like to love God. And I want to go back to that verse 37 because it says, you should love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. And it makes me want to think, okay, why? Why your heart? And then also why your soul? Mm. And why your mind? Why was he like, you're going to, it's going to require your whole of you like all of you, in order to love him. And and, and I want to say this. It's interesting that in it, within that command itself is an assumption that he's going to be so good, it will cap. he will capture your mind, your heart, yes. and your soul. Like, if you know him for who he really is, it should, like, thrill your thoughts. Yes. It will capture your emotions. Yeah, he's go right. Yeah, and he if, wants you to feel what the relationship. Right, right. And you love when you study those words, heart, soul, and mind, and the Greek translation of the three of them. Heart really is your thoughts and your feelings. Um, it also leans into being broken-hearted, mm. which don't you love? Like the symbolism in that. I I need you. What do you need from me? I need your broken heart. That is what I need. I need your thoughts. I need your feelings. Soul represents spirit and breath, which I love. That It's just like what you breathe in and out. And mind um, would be translated as deep thoughts, imaginations, and understandings. Mm. And I love that thought of like, do I love God with all of my thoughts and feelings, my spirit, with every breath, with my deep thoughts, with my imaginations, and with my understanding? Is, is that my relationship with Him? Like, don't you want to describe your relationship with Him like that? Yeah, the imagination one's my favorite one. Yeah. But I really think, like, what we were talking about earlier is a precursor to this commandment. Like, I don't think... Because when he's saying, like, thou shalt do this, I just want to say, well, when I learn about who he is and when I experience him, that's actually my natural response. And if it's not, then perhaps I haven't met who he really is yet. Yeah. And then if you're like, and I haven't, so I guess I never will, my invitation would be... Go back. Yeah, go back. But also this, find someone who loves him like that. That you would be like, oh, I actually know someone who loves God so deeply, like with their imaginations and their understandings and with every breath they breathe in and out and every thought and every feeling they are talking about this relationship. Find someone like that and then say to them, introduce me to your God. Yeah. That's who I want to. Yeah, meet. it's like those people in the crowd. Who is this? Yes. You know, they really are asking that question. They're saying... Why are you putting your clothes down? Yes. And why are you waving those palm branches? Like, yes. I, all I see is a man on a donkey. 
Yes. And it's just like, oh, you know, it's like, yeah. oh, do you want to know why yeah. I act like this and speak like this about him? And I'm, you know, which it's important you. to realize not everyone is having that experience. Um, because I do remember talking with a dear friend of mine one time, and as he described his relationship with God growing up and his belief in God, at the end of him talking about it, I was like, I would have a really hard time believing in that God also. Right, right. And it was the first time for me that I realized, oh, not everyone has had my experience. Mm-hmm. Not everyone has experienced this kind of relationship. And I think it's okay to say, I'm sorry your relationship has been like that so far. And I don't know who taught you about God that gave you that understanding of his character and his attribute. But would you be willing to just set that all aside? Turn those tables over. Yeah, for a minute. And could I introduce you to the God I know? Mm-hmm. You know that you just, you want to, we get so worried when people are going to walk away from God and I want to be like this. Tell me about the God you're walking away from. Yeah. That's what I want to know. Because it's way easier to like leave an organization than it is to break up with somebody. Yeah. Especially somebody really, really good. Right. And, and and then I want to be like, if you've never met God, let me be your first mm. introduction. Um, that I, I, I just want to see you experience the God I know. You know? Yeah. Um, so we just kind of went through and we were like, where are some places in Scripture that maybe would show us what it looks like to love God well and and let's show that you're this you're looking at the screen right now if you're watching this the page in the journal and we took that great commandment to be like the journal page for this week because we thought it'd be awesome to and you can use our stories that we gave you or others if you want yeah, any, but, you could think of any story in scripture and maybe it's fun for your class to choose their yeah, own yeah but we gave you two stories right oh we think you can find ways that people show love to God in this story and ways they you can show love to people in the other story. And it's neat to just see like, okay, what would that commandment look like played out, yeah. you know, in real life? Yep, and so. you could do it over and over again with all different stories. But I'm going to take you to Mark 11. Um, this has to do with that triumphal entry again. And, and we're going to circle back around for a minute to that part of the story because there's an interesting part of that story where all of a sudden this cult shows up out of nowhere and it's so random. And then you love the story of how they got the cult. So what happens is in Mark 11, they come to Jerusalem and Jesus says to them, go your way into the village over against you. And as soon as you enter into it, you're going to find a cult tied whereon never any man has sat. And I need you to lose him and bring him to me. And there's two lessons we learn right there in verse two that I love. First of all, sometimes loving God is going to require you to go out of your comfort zone. That do you, are you want to just be like, I'm wait a minute. I'm just going to go over into that city. I'm going to see a colt. It's going to be tied next to a fence and I'm just going to like undo it and then bring it back here. I could get in trouble for that. Yeah. Like that's where my brain wants to go is like, are, are you sure that's okay? Cause do you know the 10 commandments? That's what I wonder if in their mind, they were like, <laughs> well, should we think this through? And I love that. The first thing we learn is that sometimes, um, loving God will take us out of our comfort zone. 
it might stretch us. He might help us see something that we look at one way, another way. And I love that, that we should expect he's going to make us go out of our comfort zone. The other thing I love too is when he's like... That Hold on, there the... is something I've never noticed. Can okay. I just squeeze yes. this in? Yes. I think it's really interesting that in verse 2 he says, go your way into that village. And in verse 4 it says, they went their way. And and it, it just makes me think, like as part of this whole list, that it's like, your way of showing love to God might look differently than other people's yes. ways. I think it's neat and that, that he's he says, okay with like yeah. go after it however you want. Right, like he yeah. says, go. The important, like the the invitation is to go, and then he says, but go the way you go. Yeah, go your way. Yeah, and they went their way. Yeah. Like he was like, oh, okay, That's this so is awesome. how we're gonna. Anyways, yeah. it's a little bonus one. Yeah, okay. I love that so much. But I also love this too when he's like, choose the one that no one's ever ridden before. Um, which makes me think of Christmas morning. And I have two boys that were 18 months apart when they were like two and three and four years old. And if one of them touched the toy the other one had not ever played with yet, it was like tears beyond repair, you know? <laughs> Where like, you can never get that back. I can never be the first one who played with the pirate ship on Christmas morning. And so I love that he points out to choose the thing that's actually hard to give. Because sometimes loving God requires you to give up the thing that's actually hard to give. Where you're like, oh wait, I actually yeah. haven't enjoyed that yet. And now you're, you're gonna like, okay, I think I'm okay with that, you know, but I just love that there's that little wrestle inside of sometimes loving God causes a little wrestle to come. And I'm sure they were like, we cannot just take that cold. <laughs> and so then he says in verse three, listen, if any man comes up to you and is like, why are you doing this? Then you'll say the Lord has need of him. And then he'll just send you with the cold, which I'm sure in their mind, they're like, I don't think it's going to work like that. First of all, the guy's never even ridden it before. Um, second of all, how does he know we're going to bring it back? Did you leave your driver's license or yeah. what happened in those days? Um, so they went their way and they found that colt tied by the door um, in a place. And I love this line in verse four, in a place where two ways met and they began to lose him. And there's something for me about that. Um, that where they found him was in the place where two ways met because it first of all makes me think of that poem you know which one um i took the road less yeah i took by. the road yeah, less yeah, traveled yeah. yeah i came to the place in the woods where two roads went and it really feels like this is a road less traveled lesson mm -hmm. that in the place where two ways met you can either choose to love god well or you can choose not to and i love that we see everyone right now as soon as he's like why are why are you taking this the only word you need in that moment is the lord has need of him and who loves that this man does he he doesn't know the apostles so does he even know jesus we don't know but as soon as those words come out my lord has need of him that he's like oh okay yeah take him there's just no question at all. And I want to think like, is my heart that good when the Lord is like, or someone says to me, the Lord has need of you that I'm like, okay, I'll choose that road, you know? Yep. I'll go is. that way. I'm telling you it is. I hope it always well, is. I think it's so sweet that the Lord says this, he will send him. 
like he knows something about yes. the man who owns the cult that he's that he says like he, I know that about him and and I think I think the Lord knows that about you. We're in Israel and our bus driver Ron who's there <laughs> who we just he just takes such good care of us and he's such a sweetheart and, and he's just, just like a little grandpa. Yeah. That is what you imagine. And when we get there he just he loves on us and he just he can't say he loves us enough times during the day. Yeah. And and uh, Emily told him about, you know, her new calling and the best way she could to an old Jewish grandpa who has no idea <laughs> what's, how the church, you know, how the runs. church runs. And, yeah. and then I can't come back for five years. And He and, just cried. Yeah. He, he got so teary. He was like, wait, what do you mean? You can't come back. Yeah. And, and he just said, well, how much are they paying you? They better pay you a whole lot of money. Or, <laughs> or the, she was like, nothing, actually. <laughs> and he was like, what? <laughs> tell him no. You tell him no. And I think it's like, I, I just feel like I've watched you do that verse recently. And I saw, I can see a God in heaven who said, ask Emily, because she'll, cause she'll send him. You know? Yeah. Which is so sad sometimes, but good. You know, he said, what will you get out of doing it for five years? What will you get? And I had said to him, oh, God will send blessings. He always does. Um, but it is hard. Sometimes choosing the road means giving up something that you love and not knowing if you'll ever get it back again, you know? And I think sometimes we maybe forget how hard loving God is because there's something about it that requires sacrifice. And, and I, true love really I does. I was just about to say, like, is it is it really love if it's convenient? Yeah. You know, like yeah. it just, David member says, I'm not, I don't want to give something to the Lord that doesn't cost me something. Like, yeah. The cost is what is that's the that's what the yeah. love is it's the it's what the gift is yeah right? which i love and um i love in there that that thought about why are you taking the coat the colt and i or think that is important for all of us like to ask what is your why yeah. why would you walk away from the easy path you know why would you and i love that it's so simple like that it is just so simple the answer oh because my Lord hath need of me yeah. right now. And it makes me think of that song, I'll go where you want me to go, dear yeah. Lord. You know that you're just like, uh, that's the, in the place where two ways meet. Yeah. I want to be the one who goes. Okay, there's one other story in this uh, lesson that we want to focus on. And we think it lines up really well with this idea of what it looks like to love people. So this is just a great story by itself, but maybe you can watch the story and and Jesus obviously is the is the most beautiful example of what it looks like to love people well. Like you just watch every single story of his life and you're just like, what can I learn from he's showing me how to love people really well. And in this city, Jericho, Jesus comes in and it says there's this man whose name is Zacchaeus and and he was um, chief among the publicans, super rich. 
Um, but he sought to see Jesus who he was. And it says he couldn't for the press because he was little of stature. Like he couldn't see Jesus because of all the crowd that was there. And he was too short. He was just a little short man. Which don't you want to just stop for a minute and just think it's interesting how many of these stories in this week's lesson, like you kind of want to put your thumb on this, are about seeing who Jesus really is. Yeah, and what gets in the way and of it. And what gets in the way of it. It's so interesting because now it's going to happen again, that same thing. So this guy's so cute. And and if you were teaching another lesson, you know, we're looking at what it looks like to love people, but he runs ahead and climbs up into a sycamore tree to pass him. And listen, this guy's the CEO of, like the, Jericho. of, of Jericho. And um, I just wanted to say, hurry up and finish your lesson. Um, <laughs> That's what it really said. <laughs> um, you know, and, and he's just this businessman who's climbing a tree. And I just think it just a little side lesson here of of what it might take to come unto Jesus, that it might take a little bit of whimsy and a little thinking outside the box and going your way, you know. Yeah. Anyways, but runs up to climb up to see him. And Jesus comes to that place and he looks up and he sees him and he says, Zacchaeus, hurry down. Today, I'm going to go to your house. And and he hurried down and he came down and received him joyfully. And when everyone saw it, they were like, ooh, why, how, how is he going to go and be a guest with that guy? Does he know like what he does on the weekends? Does he know like what his, you know, his bankruptcies and, you know, like everything wrong with him? And Zacchaeus hears it and he says, Lord, I'm trying. I do my very, very best. I try to get to the poor. If I wrong anybody, you should know that about me, you know? And, and Jesus says, this day is salvation come to this house for so much as he also is a son of Abraham. And when you look at that story and you're just like, okay, what do you see in that story that Jesus does? It shows us how to treat people. One, he, I think it's so sweet that he looks for the little ones, yes. the overlooked people that it's so easy to you know, to notice the people in the crowd, yes. and to, and, but he looks beyond the crowd and he looks to see who's been overlooked, who, who can't get in because of the press or because of something wrong or, or, or whatever it is, you know? And, and that's one thing that he just like, I, I, I'm going to look beyond the crowd for the people on the outskirts. And then he call he comes to his spot, he comes to his tree, you know, and he looks up and he calls his name. And I think there's something about that where he mm. just says, I see you. I know you. I'm, I recognize you like everyone else would have passed right by you. And he stops, you know, to talk to him and, and call his name. There's something about that, um, that he, that he knew who he was, you know, um, I, it says Zacchaeus receives him joyfully, but I think the same could be said of Jesus. Like yes. they just like, there's something about, um, that, the footnote in there is that hospitality that he's going to come and be a guest at his house. And I think that's awesome that he's like, let me come to your house. And, and the way that they treat each other is like, so. Which makes me want to think I was reading an article the other day and it was talking about particularly the youth of this generation. Um, it, it wasn't necessarily a religious article. It, It just was an article about the youth of this generation. And it said, they really need three things. And I think we all do. And it's to be known, named, and needed. 
Mm. Don't you think that's so interesting? And you love that, like he did that. He he knew he was going to be in the tree. Yeah. He named him, and then he was like, "Today I must abide at your house. I yeah. need you right now." And it makes me want to be like, "Could I be better at all those things? Like, do mm-hmm. I let people know they are known, named, and needed?" Yeah. Yeah. And 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 everybody's like, "Why is he going to that particular house?" Yes. And and it's just like, and maybe this goes into the next one where everyone's like, let me tell you everything wrong with why you don't want to be a guest in his house, why you don't want to go into his story. And, but Jesus sees everything that's good about it. Yeah. Right. And, and, And then I love that he just speaks that blessing and he says it out loud. He's like, this is what I see that's good about him. And, and this is where, what I see that he's, that he's doing in his life. And I, I, I don't know, you just, this man that's like, um, interestingly, he's so rich and super successful and everybody overlooked him. And sometimes, you know, we, we even do that. Like we're just like, Oh, they, you know, they, they don't have, they're not, they don't have a good heart. They don't have a, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like we just make these assumptions about people. And I love that Jesus just, Passes by all of those things and just... And that he assumes the best. Right. The ve- yeah, assumes the best about him. And he shows us what that looks like to to love people. And again, you come back to that first story, you're like, this is who Jesus is. Mm. You know, where you're just like, who is this? Someone might say. And it was like, oh, that is a perfect picture of who Jesus actually is. And you can do that with every story yeah. in, in, in this book and every story that we tell each other about what he's like, that he's just like, he shouldn't have come to my house. Like what I was doing with my life, he shouldn't have come. Like who I was, he shouldn't, but he still did. And he called my name and he called out what was good about me. And and anyways, you just, this one story among so many that, you know, that show us who he actually is. This is Jesus. Yeah, so So good. Okay, see y'all next week. Oh, you can't turn that off. But you will. This audio was taken from a YouTube video from our YouTube channel. You can find us on YouTube at Don't Miss This. Also, sign up for our newsletter at don'tmissthisstudy.com and you can follow us on Instagram at Emily Bell Freeman and at Mr. Dave Butler. Thanks for listening. Bye.